Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabret. Wonderful to have you both in for another edition of Pet Chat. And you both look like you're raring to go. Absolutely, Sarah. That's why we're here. What, what does that look like? You know, sprightly. Oh, yes. Yeah. Energy. Because there was a lot of old okay. jokes made towards you last week by Daniel, which wasn't fair. Oh, uh, so, I love Daniel. Of course you do. You can be truthful now. He's not here. So. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Now, Cheryl, you've worn the scissors as the brooch, so yeah. we're we talking about grooming. We are. We're I gonna... thought we were talking about desexing. Oh, I've already done that one, David. Oh, okay. Keep up with the times. I'm just, you know, Gosh, look at your the notes. male dogs running around. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about grooming older dogs, those seniors. Because oh, my little boy, Gizzy, who's 15, was oh. groomed by you earlier this week. He looks beautiful. Oh, thank you, Sarah. It must be challenging with the older dogs for everyone. It is. We've got to look after them, don't mm, we, David? Mm. Yeah. They look great. They do. Louise in Aberglasson, you've got a nine-month-old Jack Russell and its skin's very itchy. This is obviously a bit of a concern. Yes, it's very, very itchy, um, particularly behind his and he scratched all the hair off. Behind the ears? You just broke up on us there. Yeah. Behind the ears. I- He's itchy all over. Yes. Um, it's particularly bad behind the ear. Okay. He's been on steroids from the vet, and that's had a fairly negative effect on him. Um, he's also had an ear infection and has had drops for the last 10 days, but he's still scratching. And he's tried Malice's, um shampoo but, and Dermis, um, yeah, aloe bean the oatmeal shampoo, and I don't know what else to try for him. Okay. Um, a lot of those things that you mentioned are uh, sort of medications and treatments that we've talked about many times on the show over the years related to itchy skin. And as you know, it's such a common problem. One of the things that we look at here is um, the location of where we're itching is a factor, but then, as you mentioned, the itching can often be all over. Uh, the history of ear infections is probably why um, we're losing hair behind the ears because we're scratching when those are sore. And it's just, even if we're itchy all over, um, you know, that's where the predominant amount of scratching is happening. So we're getting trauma to the hair. And this is important to determine, is is the hair loss due to the trauma that's from the scratching or is it due to something wrong with the skin and the hair follicles? And in most cases that you've described, very similar is that it's due to the trauma. So we come back to some basic uh, principles related to itchy skin. And a lot of those treatments that you've talked about are kind of addressing some of these things, but there there's some other aspects we can touch on. First of all, it's always important to make sure that our flea control is up to date um, and that we're using something that's effective for you know your environment and your situation. So if we've got multiple pets, indoor dog, outdoor dog, we have to make sure that the flea control uh, is tailored towards that. Even if we don't see fleas, for a dog that's itchy, we always want to make sure we've got good flea control because, you know, we can have one bite from one flea will trigger off a whole day of itching, okay? Sure. So that's, that's number one. I always want to make sure that's on track. The second thing is a lot of people say, well, a dog that age, you can't get allergies. That's not actually true. It's unusual, but they can get allergies, and that's just related to the fact that they've been exposed to certain allergens, which is things like pollens, grass seeds, um, even house dust mite is another one, that can actually 
when they're exposed to it the first time, their body then reacts to that and then forms a permanent reaction that the next time they're exposed, their body goes, oh, we've got to get rid of that. And it's an overreaction of the immune system. And this is one of the things about, you know, the treatment for, for instance, the steroids is trying to dampen that down. But as you, you know, as you quite rightly pointed out, it can actually have some negative side effects. So particularly in a young dog, we probably want to find a treatment that's a bit more effective long term. Um, Unfortunately, there's not one single treatment. Okay, it's always going to be a multiple of treatments. So I would talk to your vet again about a couple of these things. First of all is how are we going to do this long term that's not going to involve steroids? And secondly, if you're finding that it's, you know, you've tried three or four things, then also ask your vet about a referral to a veterinary dermatologist who may be able to do some more with regard to allergies and, uh, you know, allergen testing. Um, because some of those dogs we do have to manage with a specialist veterinarian on a long-term basis. So, yeah. Okay, thank you very much for the call, Louise. 49216216 is our number. Now, Cheryl, there's not much you don't know about grooming. In fact, I think they'll be hard to find anything you don't know about it. But you do need to approach it differently with our older dogs. And that's something you thought you might have a chat about today because we need to promote that people should still get their dogs groomed when they're older. Absolutely. Grooming is really important, particularly as dogs age, because we need to make sure that we're regularly bathing them. If we're not bathing them to begin with, it can actually make the um, coat go particularly oily. Now, then we end up with a problem getting yeast growing on the skin. And as dogs age, their skin becomes very tissue-like paper. It's really, Mm. really soft. It's very fragile. And um, if we keep it healthy by bathing it and keep getting it dry after we've bathed the dogs, that can actually um, aid the dog considerably. But there's other things. Obviously, our dogs that are are quite... um, coated need to have their coats a lot shorter so we call it comfort grooming because we can't go brushing an old dog a lot it's not going to tolerate it particularly if you've got a dog that's got a little bit of senility you start brushing it's not going to be happy it may bite you Um, not that it's intentionally wanting to bite but there's a lot of pain so the pain often comes because as the dogs age they get a lot of arthritis yeah um you know they just stiff they're sore there's um you know, often a lot of lumps and bumps, tumours, cysts, warts and things that if you knock those, they can bleed and, you know, that's certainly something that you wish to avoid. Um, but their balance isn't good, They're often shaky. You know, trying to get them to stand while you're grooming them can be quite difficult. You need to be patient if you're doing it at home, washing oh, yes, and... yes. And- And even the groomer needs to be patient as well because you need to understand a little bit of the medical side of these dogs, just what they can and can't tolerate. You know, like I said, standing a dog to be bathed and dried and then groomed is a lot to put on an elderly dog. But they still need to be groomed, but we just need to make sure that we're thinking about the overall comfort of the dog. Having the hair um, mat-free is really important so it's not pulling on that fragile skin but also modifying some of the trims that we do on dogs so say for instance the schnauzer with their big beards old schnauzers get really toey about having that beard brushed because often it 
Yeah. Often it has food in it or debris and it mats up. And so when you go to brush it, they get a bit toey and say, ah. hey, I don't like this. And they'll bite, you know, whoever's brushing or whoever's trying to comb. So it's a good idea with a schnauzer to get that beard shorter, even though it's not the look of a normal schnauzer, but just cutting it back for the comfort of the dog and to avoid anybody being bitten. And another thing that I wish to um, sort of say to a lot of people with poodles is as poodles age, um, it's better to have the feet scissored rather than having those nice shaved off poodle feet because trying to manipulate the clippers in between arthritic toes is really quite painful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and David, it, it is quite a thing, isn't it, with, with those mm. toes when they're stiff and sore? Yeah, I think there's, the arthritis is a big part. And in that regard, I think that if a groomer or even a pet owner at home is noticing problems and their pet has not been treated for or diagnosed then that could be the clue to go back and speak to the veterinarian and say, you know, when I'm clipping his feet or the groomer said he was sore here yep. and we might actually find the problem. Yeah, because often there's, you know, injections like hartrophrin and things that can really aid these dogs that have got the arthritis. Oh, so yeah. there's Big many time. things that you can talk about with your veterinarian, as David said, um, and, and in, in consultation with your groomer and yourself because you do notice these things. You pick up a dog's foot to do the nails and the, the dog is really quite stiff and sore. Um, but, you know, it, it is important that when we are addressing how we groom the dog that we change and modify that grooming to, to suit the aged dog. So it still will look nice, but it'll be manageable both for the homeowner um, of that pet and for the, the groomer doing the job. And Cheryl, just quickly, going into winter, I mm-hmm. got surprised when I was letting people know I'm taking Gizzy to get groomed. A lot of people said, oh, you, do you do that in winter? How important is it to keep up the oh, grooming in winter? That's a really good one, Sarah. It is so important to groom throughout winter as well. It doesn't mean you have to go super short. And majority of small dogs in particular actually live inside so they're inside with the jackets <laughs> <laughs> yeah well with jackets just mentioning that it is important to take the jacket off each day mm. and brush the coat we need to allow some air into the skin as well because we need to keep that skin really healthy as these dogs age it's even more important so taking the jacket off giving it a nice brush letting the air get to the dog again and then replacing the jacket and mum and dad if you're listening at home could you just take uh, Gizzy's jacket off please and give him a quick brush (laughs) just a quick brush no great advice it's Rod Stewart on 2 and URFM. We're talking pet chat, 49216216. We're going to take a break, have a look at the weather. When we come back, though, we're looking at uh, seizures, David. Mm, mm. Unfortunately, dogs, like people, can get uh, various diseases that cause seizures or fitting. So we'll just have a quick run through. Yeah, 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 very scary. Now, we've had an email, Marie in Lambton. She wants to know how bad are lamb bones for dogs. Her dog apparently Mm. loves it, uh, but she has obviously heard these days that you shouldn't give bones and she just wants to know, is that a hard and fast rule or can she give it as an occasional treat? Raw bones, we will tolerate, but I'll give some caveats on that shortly. Uh, cooked bones, no. Right. And now that's lamb, chicken, uh, beef, pork, whatever. Cooked bones, no. Right. Um, so what happens is that, uh, you know, in the wild, dogs of all breeds, I guess, we've bred them to be house dogs. But in the wild, dogs would, uh, you know, hunt in packs and um, eat uh, mammals. So they're obviously getting raw bones. Yes. But then we came along discovered fire, and then we cooked 
meat because it's easier to digest, but at the same time we're cooking the bone. And what actually happens is the protein in the bone changes. So we've denatured it, which means now the bone is brittle and can often um, splinter and cause all sorts of problems. And then on top of that, of course, when we talk about our um, consumption, we're actually talking about meat that has been butchered, which means the bones are often cut. Mm. So, for instance, you you know, it's not like just the whole bone. It's going to be, you know, the classic T-bone has been cut. And so if that's cooked, that's going to be quite dangerous and cause uh, certainly the risk of an obstruction and possibly perforation of the bowel. So... Um, one of the, I have seen a patient recently that, um, and we do see this all the time, uh, through accidents where the dog has eaten a lamb cutlet. Oh, okay. Bone. Yeah, the bone off a lamb cutlet. And that ended up requiring surgery to really? remove. Yeah, it was, well, to be fair, I mean, the bone was about the size of the dog. How did the dog digest the bone in the first place or swallow the bone? They've got an appetite. Just gone they, down yeah, hole. Yeah, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. So wow. they'll they'll take it. And just because it I mean, can go good. in okay doesn't right. mean that that bone's going to... Oh, it's not coming out. Oh. No. So then we end up looking at surgery as a way to fix that. Because we don't want to have the scenario... I mean, when it's in the stomach, even there it can cause problems. But certainly a lot of these things, when they get into the intestine, a lot of people don't realise, yes, the intestines can be quite... Uh, resilient i guess and cope with a lot of things but when they're put under pressure they can perforate and we've seen lots of dogs that have got um you know even things like satay sticks that have perforated through wow but also bones and then then things get really dangerous so david if someone's fed their dog um a cooked bone and they've Mm. gone no look the dog's fine it's eaten the bone it it doesn't necessarily mean there may not be some ongoing issues if the bone right. has splintered inside the dog. Well, a lot of the time people say, oh, I've always fed my dog's bones. Um, and I, I say, well, the problem is you're talking to an emergency vet. So yeah. the ones we see are the ones that end up in our hospital. And we wrong. just we just see the ones that have problems. So, you know, and you're also a lot of owners, you wouldn't feed your dog a bone the first day. It'd have a problem. And then for the rest of its life, you keep feeding it bones like you would stop. Yeah. Yes. So actually... Yes, you feed bones until they cause a problem. Yeah, yeah. So you sure. might have been doing that for years, but the day that it causes a problem, you're probably not going to do it again you, after you're that. You're running the gauntlet if, if exactly. you're doing it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's good advice. It is Pet Chat. 49216216 is our number. Now, another thing you see a lot of, David, is seizures, and that's what you wanted to speak a little bit more on today. Yes, we've had a certainly a couple of dogs recently that present with uh, seizure disorders. Now, I just wanted to differentiate this from things like tremor disorders. So this kind of confuses people, but a tremor disorder is basically where the muscles uh, are affected, but usually the brain is okay. Right. Okay, so we would see things like, for instance, snail bait um, would be one that causes a tremor disorder, but the brain is not affected. And so it's actually, there's a, a chemical in the snail bait that's actually acting on the nerve muscle junction. Can you identify the difference fr- from the average person watching this, um, this tremor or there seizure? Are a, there are a couple of things that you, we can be clued to. I think the premise there is that both those scenarios require veterinary treatment. So the best advice is just, you know, if, if your dog's having abnormal movement, then get them seen to. 
So the thing about seizure disorders is we generally would classify them based on various parameters. One might be the age of the dog. Certainly there are some breeds that we see that are more prone to seizure disorders. And then we have to differentiate um, uh, based on is this an acquired disease or is it an inherited disease? So, for instance, we do see dogs that get uh, inherited epilepsy, which means it's like passed through their genetics, and those dogs will have seizures usually from they start at about two to five years of age. Unfortunately, they're going to have those for the rest of their life. And so we need to diagnose that and then prescribe a treatment. Yeah, okay. Uh, we might come back and talk a little mm. bit more about seizures, but let's go to Robert in Raymond Terrace. Uh, we've been talking about dogs and bones. You've got a question or a comment, Robert? It's a comment and a backup of what he just said. Good on you, Robert. Yes, we had a purebred Pembroke Corgi. Oh, yes. Uh, didn't realise he had inadvertently got into where we'd throw him cook uh, bones and that out and add them. Yes. And it was a June long weekend. We, we showed him. He went through and he actually won best in group. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah. And then next day we had to take him to the vet and unfortunately we lost him oh. because the bones splintered. Oh, oh no. Yes. Oh. And just ruptured and tore his bowel to pieces. That's oh. so sad. That is. We're, we're feeling for you, Robert, but we thank you for mm. sharing your story. Mm. So hopefully people that are listening will go, okay. And I think, Sarah, you mentioned, you know, like if the dog eats a bone but seems okay, that doesn't mean that things are going to be fine. Yeah. Because it could take that delay. So definitely worth the trip to the vet if if your dog has ingested a bone. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, look, we're feeling for you, Robert. Thanks, Robert. We appreciate the call. It is. Stephen in Brankston, welcome to the show. What's your question for David? Uh, Just wondering if he'd give us some advice on a constantly barking dog. Mm. It's like he's got ADHD. How old's your dog, Stephen? He's about to go turn 11 years old. Okay, and is this a recent problem? Uh, no, it's been... Well, it seems to have gotten worse lately. Uh, we've tried a bark collar, we've tried a, a bark thing that emits a sonic um, noise, yep. but he's he figured out to just keep barking and bark through it. Okay, uh, and what sort of breed? Border Collie. Border Collie. And you're at Brankston. Have you got much land there where he is? Yeah, we've got a block, like, uh, just under half an acre. Yeah. But we've only, it's in a new estate, and um, we've only got wet fencing on one side. Oh, okay. All right. So Border Collies are a very intelligent dog. Look, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> there could be a could be a hundred things going on here. Um, yeah. The barking is basically... Um, you know, natural behaviour by a dog in response yep. to something, in response to something. So is it al- yeah. alert? Are we alarmed? Is it for attention? Is it um, because their their brain's not working properly and their behaviour's altered? Um, you know, in most cases, it can, you can narrow it down, but that doesn't mean you actually find what the trigger is because you're dealing with a dog, very intelligent dog, that is yep. going to respond to its environment by barking. So we no, don't. He, just, you know. he, he responds to everything. Like he sees people walking up the street, he'll start barking. Right. He'll bark at kangaroos going through the scrub. 
Yes. Well, kangaroos going up the, through the scrub, very stimulating. I want to yeah. go. I want to go chase them. Um, so you know, I'm really excited. People coming up the street might need to let you know that there's people coming up the street. So yeah. you can see that there can actually be multiple reasons for the dog barking. Um, yeah. And so using things like the bark collars, whether it's, say, a citronella collar or something, yeah. um, is used as a way to distract the dog out of the cycle of barking. But it's yeah. all, all of these things also require other therapies, okay, other training right. therapies. And that's where we often get into problems because you can't be with the dog 24-7. No, well, that's right. And so when you're away, the dog has basically, you know, they can still see birds in the sky and so they bark yeah. and, and there's no um, interaction, there's no intervention. And that's why these things can be really hard to control. The other, yeah. th the other thing is in an 11-year-old dog, I'd want to make sure that we're not developing any sort of, you know, we call it um, dementia, but give it its proper name is cognitive dysfunction so there is possibility of um you know some a biological cause but as yep. you said this has been going on for a while yeah i have concerns that it's going to be almost impossible to control <laughs> yeah. um i would certainly would persist with things like the uh, various bark collars yep. um just remember the electronic ones are banned in uh New South Wales. They might actually be banned in the whole of Australia, but they're certainly banned yeah, in New South Wales. We did look. We did look into that, but um, on the on the net, it said that they were banned in New South Wales if your property's not fully fenced. Right. So, well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest that uh, oh, no. using those. But yeah. what I would suggest is that you. The reason why I'm saying keep using a bark collar is because it will help to change some of the cycle, but you have to do yeah. other other things. And that's where, you know, if the dog's barking, you don't want to reward it and say, oh, good dog for barking and no. letting me know. But what, no, no. what we do want to do is bring the dog to do some other activity. So yeah. it could be, um, you know, we want to distract it with the collar and then yeah. whether it's move it inside, move it outside, whatever, get it no. to do some game or something just to no. break that cycle. And there are a lot of people who will actually prescribe or, or engage with you, you know, behaviourists and trainers and so on. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm just pretty cautious about yeah. saying it's going to be successful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Even maybe... Tough one. Yeah, some improvement it's, is it's, better than none. That's right. But it's such a natural behaviour. So, you know, how do you say that? It's like saying to you, Sarah, stop talking. Oh, well, that's <laughs> never going to happen. Exactly. Unless you bribe me with chocolate. It's like saying stop eating chocolate. That's not going to happen either. No. So, yeah, all right. Well, the best of luck, uh, Stephen. And, and good on Stephen. He's obviously trying to, yes. to rectify it. So yeah. uh, let's go to Allworth now. And, Jenny, you've got a male dog. It's been dissexed, but you've noticed some behavioural changes since the dissexing. I sure have. It was only a week ago that I had the – it's a male dog, dissexed. Yep. He's still got the cone on his neck, which is um, – he still licks it with the cone on. But his behaviour is so naughty, um, doesn't come back to me. Uh, we started obedience school, but he was going really well. The minute he's dissects, that's it. He just stands and stares at me and runs away. How old is your dog, Jenny? How old? Yeah. Seven months. Seven months. I'm going to tell you, this has got nothing to do with him being desexed. Oh, Okay. 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 Because uh, the reason I know that is because 
behaviour in male dogs is very much deri- or driven by their testosterone level. Yep. And his testosterone level is going to take around about, well, at least three months to disappear. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's only been a short time since he was desexed. He's certainly his testosterone level in his body is less than it was a week ago, but it's still going to be high enough that uh, effectively his body thinks, um, you know, nothing's different. Except now I'm seven months and one week old, and basically you're talking about an uh, adolescent slash teenager um, who you know, is starting to explore the world. They start to develop their personality. They're less kind of following someone. They're just actually starting to create their own meaning of the world, okay? So his behavior is related to just his age primarily. Um, Probably the cone on his head also does have an effect on his behavior. So what what was that? Oh, the cone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I try and take it off. But, yeah, he's just... Unbelievable. Um, yeah. I don't know what... To, and I give him treats and stuff like that. Well, don't give him uh, treats when he's playing up. Give him treats when he oh, behaves. Yeah, when, when he comes back to me, yes. I give him a treat, you know. Yes. But, so, um, and what, just, what, what sort of... What breed is he? He's a German Shepherd cross Kelpie. Oh, crikey. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so biggish, biggish dog, lots of energy, pretty clever. Oh, he's smart. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like a fruit loop at the moment. <laughs> sort of describes. Could, could, could he be agitated, David? I know you mentioned the cone, but could he be in discomfort, um, obviously recovering after the, the surgery and could, being a bit cranky because of that? Most, most dogs post-surgical, um, if they're going to be, for instance, painful, they would tend to be settled and reclusive. Rather than moving around, right. Much. right? He's adolescent. Yeah, he's just yeah. hit that. Is age. this the age? Oh. I think this would have happened regardless. Except, as okay. I said, I think that the cone probably does affect his behaviour um, because he can't. You know, it's like he's got partial blinkers on. Um, yeah, I'm a bit but worried. What do I do? do well, I just... you need to leave the cone on until the stitches and everything are healed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Even though I'm saying that's affecting him, I don't want to compromise the surgery. So Jenny needs to continue with obedience training. Correct. Or what's the best path to Correct. try to help back, this behaviour? Back to behe- uh, sorry, back to obedience training, because all of those things that you would have done anyway, they're needed, and so we just need to continue. And like you said, Jenny, you know, you giving him treats when he does what you want, you just got to stick at it. It's like training your kids, except the dog's not going to take the car. And <laughs> sorry, sorry, I borrowed the car last night, Dad. No, I just live on 100 acres. I'll just sort of roam around oh. on it. <laughs> okay. So that's the same thing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I hit the only tree in the paddock. Um, <laughs> but okay. if you, yeah, just stick at it. And I reckon, you know, in a month's time, you're going to ring up and say, he's a wonderful dog. Oh, well, see, that's why I drink red wine at night. He sends me fruit loops. <laughs> yes. I like your style. I'm right there with you. <laughs> All right, Jenny, thank okay. you for Good the luck. call. Best thank of luck. You. Okay, <laughs> we've probably got time for one more call if you're exceptionally fast. 49216216 is our number for Pet Chat. Now, David, back to seizures. Uh, if mm. we've got a dog and out of the blue they have a seizure, is that a sign that they're going to have more or can it just be a one-off? Oh, good question. So 
I I remember I saw a dog. This is a long time ago. I saw a dog, and it was a eleven year old cattle dog, and uh, it was in for some other problem. And I said, "What medication are they on? Is he on?" And they said, "Oh, this phenobarb, which is the mm-hmm. anti epileptic drug." And they were giving a really low dose. And I thought, well, that can't be working. And they're only giving it once a day, and you're supposed to give it twice a day. And I said, when did you start that? And they said, well, he had a seizure when he was six months old. So we started him on the medication. He hasn't had one since. And I said, well, stop the medication. He's never going to have another seizure. Really? So yes. they can just be a one-off? And he, Yes, that's right. But then we do see dogs that have seizures like five times a day. Mm. Okay, so... so- if there's a seizure, You've get them to, checked. Got to get them diagnosed. Okay, let's go to uh, a call now for pet chat. Hello, what's your question for David Tabret? Yes, good morning uh, or good afternoon, I should say. Um, I have an 18 year old Jack Russell. Yep. Who does zoomy zoomies around the house for no reason? Eight, does... Did you say 18? He's 18. <laughs> oh, I'd want to see his birth certificate. 18 years old, zooming around. Wow. What breed of dog was he? Jack Russell. Jack Russell. Jack Russell. Well, Jack Russells are zoomers, aren't they? I mean, they'll run around. But 18, that is amazing. He never never used to be zoomy zoomy, but, I mean, he did lose his partner. She was 12. Right. And then we also lost a cat that was 22. What? what, What's his secret then? I have no idea. Just love them, I suppose. There you go. Yeah, just love them. Um, dogs, they're funny when they do that, aren't they? It's kind of like they're um, just either super excited or super annoyed, I reckon. Yeah. When they zoom around. Yeah. Is this yeah. is this associated with feeding, though? Nope. Just any time? No, nope. he can be just laying there and all of a sudden you'll get up and go zoomy zoomy. <laughs> Wow. Okay, he's just loving life. He's like, uh, if I lie still too long, they're going to, you know, think I've turned over. Oh, yeah. He's so like, I better move. My Nan Farley, she won't stop because she's afraid when she does, that'll be it. Don't, right. Keep moving. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's I think secret. it's a good secret of life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Keep, keep active. Keep moving. Nothing wrong with that. There you go. Well, look, thank you, Alana. I appreciate the call. Nice one to end on. And that is it for Pet Chat today. 49216216. Pop it in for next week because we had a billion calls right at the end. So you can get in nice and early. Save your question over. Cheryl Shaw, David Tabret, thank you both for coming in as always. Thanks, Sarah. It's lovely. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.